Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks had their rookie minicamp on Friday and Saturday, and next up on the schedule are organized team activities. They're set to start May 24th, already less than a week away, but we are talking about Seahawks rookies, and we're doing it with Nathan Cooper. He's Operations Associate at Sports Info Solutions, and we're going to be talking about these Seahawks rookies that they picked, as well as some undrafted free agents. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you having me. Well, let's kick things right off with the Seahawks' first pick of the draft. Dwayne Eskridge, the Seahawks, they, they obviously didn't have a pick until the second round because they traded for Jamal Adams in the offseason, had to give up a first-round pick. They also had to give up a third-round pick. So they're stuck in the situation where they, they have the second-round pick. Maybe they can trade back, but obviously, if a guy is there that you're you're absolutely set on, you don't want to trade back, lose that player. The, the Rams, they took Tutu Atwell right after the Seahawks, another kind of speedy, shifty wide receiver on the smaller end. And so I'm curious what your thoughts were with the Seahawks pick going with Dwayne Eskridge in the second round. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Eskridge is a great player. Uh, you know, according to our stats, receiver wasn't the top need, uh, and especially not having a first round pick. Maybe you wanted to get something that maybe was more of a need, but Eskridge is the type of guy that you, it's hard to pass on a guy like that. Versatile athlete. Um, in 2019, he actually played four games at corner uh, before he got hurt. So he's a guy that can kind of play all over the place. Good athlete, can return as well. Dynamic playmaker, uh, run after catch ability is, is crazy. Excellent speed. Uh, and one thing with him, he faced a lot of press coverage in college. Um, so he has refined release skills, can win off the line and beat press as well. Um, and just some other things, you know, he'll have some concentration bro- uh, drops from time to time. Uh, didn't run much of a route tree, obviously, uh, at, at Western Michigan and lacks like ideal size uh, and strength. But this is a guy that he's in a home run threat. Uh, you look at just the six games that he played last year, over you know, almost 800 yards, eight touchdowns, almost 15 yards per target, which led the entire country. Um, so you're looking at a, a lot of big time playability. Uh, and whether he's working outside or in the slot, I feel like he's probably a better slot player. But if you do move him outside here, you know, Every once in a while, I think he can be productive out there as well. Um, but I think that's a, a huge home run pick um, with a guy like that in the second round. I hear the argument in terms of the size because he is smaller than your average wide receiver. But you know, going into this draft as a Seahawks fan, a lot of us were saying, hey, they this might be a dynamic that they're missing with this offense. And you see you know, the Chiefs offense with Tyreek Hill and obviously Eskridge isn't Tyreek Hill because that is, you know, that's the guy that everybody compares to when you're talking about these these fast, shifty-type guys. But even a guy, you know, you look at uh, Shane Waldron coming up with the Rams system, being the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, you know, could he be like a Cooper Cup-type player? And even in terms of competition, I, you look at Cup and what he played at Eastern Washington, it's kind of that similar type of, well, and I guess that, that may even be a lower skill level, I suppose, since he's coming out of the Big Sky Conference, but uh, and, and Eskridge coming out of the MAC. Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy that maybe he didn't play the top end competition like you see a lot of these other big time players. But I mean, whenever he went to the senior bowl, he performed really well, uh, did well down there. And like I mentioned with the press coverage, that's one of the biggest things with the receiver that you really want to see, especially a guy that's really coming out of a smaller conference. If he's getting impressed a lot and he's really having a tough time off the line, uh, that's something that you want to know. And the fact that he went against it a lot and showed the ability to be able to get off of it cleanly. 
uh, and really get open and, and create that separation is something that I think is huge, no matter, you know, the fact that he is coming out of, out of Western Michigan. Um, I think he can be that Cooper Cup kind of, kind of player uh, production-wise. Um, you know, it's a little bit different skill set, but I think he's a guy that, you know, you're looking at one of the, t- um, you know, possibly one of the top slot receivers here, uh, you know, hopefully in a few years. Well, and you talk about the press coverage. One of the guys he was playing against in the Senior Bowl and, and, and a guy who played a lot of press coverage in college was Trey Brown, who the Seahawks picked up in the fourth round. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brown? Yeah, he plays fast. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, he's a really good press defender, uh, has enough reactive athleticism to be able to mirror the receivers off the line, shows fluid hips to you know allow himself for a quick and easy transitions, uh, shows good ball skills at the catch point. I really liked what he did uh, down at the Senior Bowl. I think he played really well. Um, he does struggle a little bit off man. Needs to improve a little bit the overall uh, awareness and zone coverage. Not the greatest tackler, um, but if you're looking at a true press defender, uh, I think he's going to be a really solid player. Play him on the outside. Uh, whenever you look at our numbers, 2.3 coverage total points per game. Whenever he lined up wide, was actually sixth in the handbook. Uh, and one total point per game in press uh, was tied for eighth. So you're looking at some pretty good numbers there. Um, you know, a wide guy that's, that's pressing a lot, uh, that's definitely going to be helpful at the next level. And it's really interesting, too, because this definitely is a departure from the Pete Carroll style cornerback, especially if you're talking about a guy who's going to play on the outside. And when he was drafted, uh, you know, I had E.J. Snyder on from bootleg football and he came on and he's like, man, is is Pete Carroll? Does he see this guy as a slot guy? And, and you know, watching him play outside at Oklahoma, I'm thinking, no, I, I think maybe this represents a shift in what the Seahawks are doing, because this is a guy who's played a lot of outside corner. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, whenever you're look, going into the draft every year, you're thinking the Seahawks are going to take these big DBs, uh, big corners, and then he comes out with Trey Brown. So it's definitely a little bit different dynamic. Um, but I think he's going to be a solid player. I, I like what he what he can do. I like what he did, you know, in college and at the senior bowl. Um, I like his ability, and I, I think he can be a solid corner for, for years to come for Seahawks. You mentioned positions of need earlier and, you know, receiver may, maybe not being at the top of the list for the Seahawks. I, I'm curious of of where you thought the Seahawks would go, because I I see these two picks, the second round and fourth round picks. You want to go at least in in some kind of position of need. And then these were needs that we talked about, but obviously offensive line not being one of them. You know, how really how high up in terms of need did you see that as for the Seahawks going into the draft? Basically, uh, how we rank the total point system, uh, you know, if you go by position throughout the entire NFL there were a few positions that Seattle actually ranked below average, and that was tight end, offensive line, defensive tackle, and corner. Mm. Um, so those were the the different positions that we were kind of looking for. Receiver was barely over uh, average, so it's not not to say you know taking a receiver was uh, you know something that you're just adding to uh, something that you already are, are pretty good at. It's definitely a, a position that we feel like you know, it, it's a good pickup for for Eskridge for sure. Uh, you know, maybe it was it was a little early for that. Maybe you could have thought the fourth round or something like that would have been better for the receiver, considering the receiver class. Um, sure. But again, like we said, the the Eskridge pick, uh, you know, I think that's right around where I think a lot of people thought that he could go. Uh, that's about the spot that I thought he would go as well. Um, and, and I think that's it's hard to pass up on a guy like that. That's a dynamic playmaker that you can really bring in and, and really scheme him into uh, being successful. And how much does special teams factor into how you judge needs? Because it, it felt like with the team this year that whether it was Eskridge or Brown, you know, both of them had special teams in their background that they 
really felt that they could see an immediate need for them to, to fill in at special teams? Yeah, it depends on what special teams you're looking for. If you're looking for like the actual return ability, maybe the kickoff return ability isn't as much a big deal anymore with, with the new rules and things like that. Punt return ability, I think, is huge. Being able to have punt return experience in your background is definitely big time. Um, but then also being able to play on on kickoff or playing on punt, uh, things like that. I think that's that's huge. And obviously, you're not going to draft a guy in the first you know two or three rounds that's solely a special teams player. Right. But the fact that these players that maybe they're going to be a number three or a number four have that sort of special teams ability in their background. And, and basically, you're going to be able to come in and contribute in special teams right away is definitely huge for whenever you're trying to create that 53-man roster. So one of the things I was watching, Nathan, as as the draft board was falling on that on that second round, and I saw Creed Humphrey, you know, I, I thought center was a pretty decent need for the Seahawks. I wanted to see them upgrade at offensive line. You know, I, I follow Oklahoma a little bit. I went to school there. And so knowing that Creed Humphrey was there for the Seahawks when they picked Eskridge, I was a little bit disappointed. I, I'm kind of curious of what your thoughts. You did a write-up on uh, on Creed Humphrey. So I'm kind of curious where you kind of project him because obviously, you know, the Seahawks have Ethan Posick who's playing at center. They bring him back. He just finished his rookie deal. And so they bring him back on a one-year deal coming out of LSU. He played center there and maybe hasn't lived up quite to expectations, but at least he, he did start last season. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought that whenever he came out, he was one of those guys that maybe he's a center, maybe he could play guard, something like that. But if you're looking at Humphrey, um, it, it's hard to argue with, with what he did at Oklahoma. He's a fun guy to watch, uh, quick feet, just moves really well, communicates well from the center position, really strong guy. Um, you know, he, he uses one, his left hand, uh, you know, really dominantly, uh, really throwing guys aside. It's, it's fun to watch him go up against those defensive tackles, good hand use, some mauling ability in the run game. The one big worry that I had with him, uh, was kind of the length issues, um, he had a little bit shorter arms and you could kind of tell against those bigger defensive tackles, the longer guys. Um, and, and I think they got into him a little bit, but his ability to anchor. And, and like I said, that that strength that he has, um, I think is something that you can really plug and play him and be just fine. Uh, I graded him as, as a starting level three down player. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, the chiefs are going to get now, um, you know, hopefully here in the next couple of years, but yeah, I definitely thought that center could have been a, a spot the Seattle Seahawks could have went to, um, but yeah, it's again, you know, you're going back to looking at these guys and, and maybe Posick is going to be a guy that, you know, he's going to come in, he's going to do well for a year and they've had him for a few years and, and maybe extend him. Um, or, or they look at uh, the center position next year as well. But yeah, Humphrey, I think a little, you know, a little bit, you know, people were worried about the length, um, with him, but I think he's just a really good football player. Yeah. It's just, it's hard for me to, and I suppose it's hard for everybody because some of these guys that come to the NFL and. They don't work out. And Ethan Posick was a second round pick. So it's 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 me wondering that is Creed Humphrey, would he have been that much more of an upgrade over Posick versus having Eskridge, a guy who can be that, you know, hopefully a reliable wide receiver three add a different type of dynamic to the offense. Obviously, you know, you, the center is the guy that touches the ball on every single down versus your third down wide receiver who, you know, he's probably the fifth pass option when you look at. Uh, tight end and the two outside receivers for the Seahawks, Chris Carson out of the backfield. So it, it's weighing all those things. And and so it makes it tough for me to to really say one way or another which way I would have preferred them to go. But uh, I guess that's just the way I have. To, I, I just have to live with it. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I love me some receivers. I love me some some dynamic playmakers. Uh, but I will say, you know, Creed Humphrey is one of those guys that just having in the middle of your offensive line is is a big time upgrade. Uh, really, no matter who you are, uh, you know, outside those top top tier uh, centers. So, uh, yeah, it's tough to to steer away from him. But I think Eskridge can make up for it. Well, I did want to give you credit, though, Nathan, because I, I went back and I looked at your seven round mock draft. And you had Trey Brown right there in the fourth round. You had him pick two picks ahead of the Seahawks uh, going to the Colts. And, but you also had a cornerback going to the Seahawks in the fourth round. So I thought that, uh, you know, as if we're as close as you can get in the fourth round uh, at getting picks to where they go, I, I just have to give you credit there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I try to try to hit them and, and sometimes they'll they'll hit and sometimes they'll miss. But I'll take that one. Well, the fun thing is, is if you go by your mock draft, then the Seahawks came away with a third, two fourths a fifth and a seventh, and of course, Eskridge being that third round pick. But we're going to talk about those guys that you had at the other picks all coming up next. Going into the break, Nathan, we were talking about where you had mocked specific Seahawks players going into the 2021 draft. And one of the guys you had going in the fourth round was offensive lineman Stone Forsythe, and you actually had him going one pick after the Seahawks in the fourth round. So I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on Forsythe, the, what you saw from him that uh, you thought would make him a fourth round pick, and maybe one of the things you you see in his game that maybe allowed him to slip then to the sixth round. Yeah, uh, Forsythe, he's kind of an interesting guy. Um, in terms of whenever I make the mock draft, I, I sort of just go with kind of what I'm seeing, what I what I feel um, you know, what could happen because Forsyth is actually a guy that didn't make our handbook. I watched him. Uh, I didn't think he was going to be good enough. Um, I actually graded him a 5.8, which is actually a backup right tackle, uh, you know, by year two. And we actually just have very few, if any, uh, you know, five, eight tackles, uh, that actually make the handbook. So, um, so he's a guy that, you know, we, he didn't make the book, but I did watch him, you know, he's, He's a powerful blocker. He's a guy that has good play strength, anchor ability. Obviously, look at his size. Um, big guy. Uh, when he gets hand on, hands on defenders, it's tough for them to get away from him. Uh, good leg drive, push at the point of attack in the run game, things like that. You know, Shows really good ability. Um, but one of the biggest things, he struggles with the balance. Uh, gets thrown aside a little bit too easily. Obviously, whenever you have a big guy like that, it's tough to stay balanced. Uh, not very reactive. So he kind of struggles with the, the speed and uh, you know, the counter moves. Uh, and then he lacks some range outside of his immediate area as well. So that's why I kind of felt he felt better on the, you know, fits better on that right side um, because he can kind of go, you know, use his strength a little bit more instead of going up against maybe the, the big time elite speed rushers. Um, but, you know, I think it, it was a solid pick in the sixth round. I think he's a guy that can develop um, in terms of, of what I think he can do. Uh, maybe it'll take a little bit more than those couple of years uh, to to get him on the field regularly uh, or even on the left side. I think he obviously needs to get the weight under control, get a little bit stronger uh, and get his balance a little bit better to kind of be able to take on those speed guys. Well, and shoot, if you're just talking about somebody who was picked in the sixth round, just making the team is is a positive, I feel like. And yeah, if he's a guy who can eventually even be a backup tackle, I, I think that ends up being good value in the sixth round. Absolutely. That's the kind of spot where you want to take those guys that have the traits you can develop. And I think the sixth round is perfect for where he went. Well, a couple other value picks, which ended up technically not being picks because they were available through undrafted free agency. The Seahawks got Tamarion Terry, 
And you had him as a fifth round pick, but gosh, I saw Mox going into the 2020 season who had this guy pegged as, you know, potential first round talent. And I know he had some injury issues in 2020, but, you know, that's that's quite the fall from being a guy projected that early to then not being drafted at all in the 2021 draft. Yeah, uh, I mean, his 2020 season was brutal. Uh, It really didn't work out for him. Injuries, the lack of the production that he had from 2019, uh, leaving the team as well. Uh, I actually wrote him up before the season started. I had a first round grade on him, possible number two receiver, uh, and then ended up giving him a five nine, which we have as a number four receiver. Um, So definitely a big drop off there. Um, If you look at his 2019 season, though, he showed good explosion off the line, good play strength mid route and at the catch point uh, has the ability to high point balls, be a red zone threat. Uh, and can also take those short passes like those screens and slants and even take them the distance with good speed as well. Uh, almost had 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, over 10 yards per re- per uh, catch per reception. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, it's, it's tough to find. Uh, and if you, it's one thing with Terry, you know, you're it's are you going to get the 2019 Terry or are you going to get 2020? Uh, and, you know, looking at that wide receiver room, uh, there's a lot of bodies in there as well. So it's going to be tough for him, but he does have some traits to work off of. Yeah, and, and you're the first person I've talked to that talked about him uh, leaving the team in 2020. And I, I tried to find some information on it. There didn't seem to be a whole lot on it. So you wonder if maybe enough teams looked into it to where it just it dropped him off their board altogether. And and they thought and, and that's why I think it made sense that you had him as a potential fifth rounder, because I, I feel like a lot of those guys that have that first round talent, but have injury or, you know, personality type questions. It feels like the fifth round is when teams really start to look at those types of guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this this year was tough. Uh, a lot of teams did mark those, you know, opt-outs or guys that left, uh, you know, and stopped the season early, uh, really just marked them off the boards. Um, so, you know, a lot of those guys didn't get drafted or they did get drafted maybe that fifth to seventh round as well. Um, so it was definitely a, a strange season for it uh, in that aspect. But, yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot of factors against Terry, especially in the 2020 season that really pushed him down uh, compared to what he was in 2019. Well, more depth for the Seahawks at wide receiver. They get Cade Johnson as an undrafted free agent out of South Dakota State. You had him as a potential seventh round pick, at least in your mock draft. And I saw a wide variance of where he might go. I saw people projecting him in the fourth round. You know, he is he is a, an FCS player. And we talked about Cooper Cup earlier, who was an FCS guy. And I thought he made enough of an impression to at least get drafted based on the senior bowl performance. But he ends up slipping all the way out of the draft. Yeah, I actually like Kate Johnson. I, I like uh, you know, the skill set that he brings. Um, you know, he looked okay at the Senior Bowl, but there was a lot of wide receiver talent down there. I'm sure that's what kind of pushed him back a little bit. Uh, he did show good stuff at, at South Dakota State. He's not that super crisp route runner, uh, does round routes a little bit. Um, he, he lacks a little bit of the savvy as a route runner as well. Uh, the size, I think, is one of the big things with him. You look at him and Eskridge. One big difference is, you know, they're similar in size, but the big difference is, one, he didn't play uh, against press coverage much, and two, he, whenever he went up against those, uh, you know, physical DBs and physical corners or did get uh, against press coverage, he really struggled. Um, he kind of gets pushed out a little bit there, uh, which is why I think, you know, he fits better in the slot. But you look at the, the traits that uh, he does bring, he's good explosion off the line, uh, really gets into his route quickly. 
plays really fast. He's a playmaker in the open field, makes guys miss, uh, can really gain those extra yards, strong hands to make catches off of his frame, can make those contested catches as well. Um, I really think that he's a guy that could fit in in the slot and be productive. Um, but like I said, you know, you're looking at a, a receiver room that is still pretty young. There's a lot of bodies in there. Um, so I think you're looking, uh, you know, at that number five receiver position. A lot of people are, are vying for that spot. Yeah, between Eskridge and and Eskridge, you probably pencil him in maybe at number four or and and maybe at number three. But you know, there are some guys coming back from last year who who could take that number three spot. And obviously, number one and two, they're locked up for the Seahawks. But yeah, just a lot of competition for that. And man, just with the history of the Seahawks, you've seen them carry four tight ends going into the season. It was a little bit of an anomaly last year when they did it, but they've carried six. And I suppose with the expanded practice squads, we could see a guy maybe slip through if uh, if he seems somebody there. But I want to I want to move on and talk about Trey Lance, because here's a guy I, I've been trying to get opinions from every draft analyst that I've had on the show, because the 49ers is a big division rival for the Seahawks. They have an opportunity to take one of the top quarterbacks and you know, clearly Jimmy G with the injury issues over the last few seasons, not the guy that you, I think, would lean on as the quarterback for the 49ers. So they're looking to upgrade there. They trade up. They give up two first round draft picks to move up to that number three spot overall. So I'm kind of curious because I'm, I was looking through the the excerpts of the Sports Info Solutions rookie handbook that you sent me, and it has the first three quarterbacks. Trey Lance wasn't in there. And so I'm really curious to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Uh, you know, those first three we feel are more in that first tier. Uh, Trey Lance and Mac Jones, you're looking at more of that second tier. And then you kind of fall off after those guys, obviously, why we had those five guys in the first round. Um, but yeah, Trey Lance, he's he's a fun guy to watch, but he is a frustrating watch uh, whenever you watch him play as well. Um, you know, athleticism is, is there. He's a crazy athlete runs well, works the pocket well, extends plays, has the strong arm to make all the throws that you need at the next level. Um, but the big thing is, you know, you're looking at inexperience, uh, only played 17 games at the FCS level. So 17 games, obviously very small number, uh, you know, and in college, uh, let alone playing them all at the FCS level. Uh, and then you're looking at a completion percentage and accuracy that wasn't really up to par. Um, struggle with the accuracy a little bit. And I think the biggest thing with Trey Lance, um, you know, he is that, high ceiling, low floor kind of guy. Uh, he is smart. A lot of people think that he can come in and play right away. Um, but for me, I think he just needs more reps. Uh, he needs more uh, time on the field. I think he needs that preseason. I think he needs to sit behind Jimmy G. I know 49ers fans really want Lance to get out there. Uh, Jimmy G is not the guy, and he's probably not going to be the guy after this year. Um, but I think it would really help Lance a lot just to be able to sit behind him for a, a year uh, and really kind of get out there and get his feet wet a little bit. Cause I feel like if you throw him out there right away, there's just too many variables, too many technical things that I think he needs to work on, uh, that it might kind of hurt his progression a little bit. Um, so I think he's more of a guy that I, I would sit for the year, hope that Jimmy G can actually get you through the season. Um, and then kind of throw Trey Lance out there after that, because he is a dynamic guy. Uh, I think he can do big things, but then you're also looking at a guy that, has a lot of question marks and, and really has some things that he needs to uh, you know confirm before he can get out there on a full-time basis. And one of the things that really stood out to me watching Lance's game is that I mean, as a running quarterback, he is incredibly dynamic. And I'm curious to, to 
kind of get an idea of where you might comp him as, because obviously, you know, going back, Cam Newton would be one of those guys that as a running quarterback, you know, an outstanding player. You have the Baltimore quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I wonder if he can be you know, comparable to one of those guys and but and still have the the passing game. But I don't know if I've, I've seen as much in terms of him as a passer as those guys coming out of college. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks. Like we said, I, I think the accuracy still has a lot of a, a lot of improvement to make um, to really be at that NFL level. Uh, I think one guy that you can bring to mind is a Josh Allen. Um, both are, are kind of big guys throw really good, strong arms. Um, they came out of college that had, didn't have great accuracy, had those strong arms, had good athleticism. Um, I don't, I think their skill sets are slightly different. I wouldn't comp them specifically together. Um, but there are a lot of similarities coming out of college. So I, I do see maybe a little of that Cam Newton running style. Um, possibly as well. But again, I wouldn't probably go all the way there. Right. Uh, he, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I, it's hard to, to really give him a comp uh, and hard to you know specifically say who he could be. Um, but there's a lot of different pieces to his game that I think translate pretty well to guys that have already been. in the Well, I mentioned the sports info solutions, rookie handbook. You guys have that up and available. I know with the Seahawks draft picks, you can go in there and, and you can get the breakdowns of each of the players, but you know, if people want or, or want to use it outside of just looking at the three picks by the Seahawks, and I suppose there might be the other guys in there, too, uh, with uh, the undrafted free agents. But if they want to go and look through that, what's what's some of the other value that they can get out of the Sports Info Solutions uh, rookie handbook? Yeah, it's not your typical draft guide. Uh, basically, you know, we had over 300 players in there. So you have all of those reports that we write. We have a scouting department, watches the film, write the reports. But first and foremost, we're a data company. Um, we're collecting all the data from all of these games. Uh, so, you know, right next to, uh, you know, all these guys' reports are all of the data that we collect as well. So we basically give you the information to let you form your own opinion. Uh, it's not something that is just used during the draft, but also after the draft, you know, there's a lot of guys who having over 300 guys in there, you know, obviously not all of them got drafted. So you're looking at guys that are probably going to be on practice squads or these guys that are getting picked up as undrafted free agents. They're moving around a lot, maybe even this next, you know, one, two, three years. Um, and you can use these down the road for, hey, you know, my, my team just picked up this guy uh, that was drafted or that wasn't drafted last year, um, but he was in this handbook. Let me see, you know, look and see what we had on him. Uh, things like that. We also have team breakdowns. We have a bunch of different, uh, you know, analytics articles, uh, a lot of different things. Um, that you can definitely use it. Like I said, it's not your your typical draft guide, and we try to give you a little bit more information so you can form your own opinion uh, and kind of use it throughout the entire season. If you're a big fantasy football guy, it's it's the draft uh, draft guide for you as well. So uh, a lot of different ways that you can use it, and you can get that as a digital copy up at Amazon.com. You can get the hard copy at ACTASports.com. I'll have links for those in the show notes. And you guys also did some YouTube breakdowns on Dwayne Eskridge and Tamari on Terry. Yeah, absolutely. We do some draft breakdowns, especially leading up to the draft, but throughout the season and uh, even in the summer, we try to do some breakdowns. I think we had 15 guys that we did breakdowns on for this draft cycle. Uh, We had about 25 or 30 that we did last year. Uh, We do some draft recaps, uh, different things like that, and try and get some things out there. Um, So you can head over to the Sports Info Solutions uh, YouTube page. Make sure to subscribe for that. 
Um, and if you want to still dwell on the uh, Creed Humphrey, uh, you know, going to the Chiefs, we also had a Creed Humphrey uh, breakdown in there as well. So uh, definitely some good stuff in there. Yeah, I'm just going to Creed Humphrey's dead to me now. Now that he is not a member of the Seahawks, well, well I'll, I'll try and just get everything with him out of my mind. But definitely I'll have the links to Eskridge and Terry in the episode notes as well. So people can go and check those out. He's Nathan Cooper of Sports Info Solutions. Follow him on Twitter at NCoopDraft. And you guys are looking for some people, too, to uh, to bring aboard uh, for this upcoming season, right? Absolutely. Go over to the Sports Info Solutions website uh, or you can head over to our Twitter account. Uh, we're looking for video scouts for next season already. We're already in the, the point we're doing interviews. I uh, fill out an application if you're interested and uh, you know, definitely come aboard. So if somebody wants to be a scout, what is what, what's some of the, the pre-qualifications that somebody has to have to before they apply? Uh, I think the basic, uh, you know, football knowledge, we're looking at least for a basic football knowledge. Uh, obviously whenever you get here, you know, there's a lot to learn. We try to teach you a lot of different things. Um, but we have people that come in who've never played football before they played all the way through college or, uh, have more of an analytics background or have a scouting background. So there's a lot of different people, uh, and backgrounds that come through here, but having that base football knowledge, kind of knowing what coverages are, knowing what routes are and things like that is definitely uh, a plus, and, and then we hope to, to be able to teach you a little bit more as well. See, and then a year from now, you could be on this show talking to me instead of Nathan. But you know what, Nathan, I'd love to have you back in the future too. So I, I don't want to have anybody, you know, take away your job. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thanks once again to Nathan for coming on the show and breaking down his look at the Seahawks draft class. You're also going to want to head on over to sportsinfosolutionsblog.com. And Nathan has an article there that he did with John Todd reviewing the 2021 draft class as a whole. And actually, the Seahawks ranked out ahead of six other teams in terms of how they ranked the draft class. And uh, kind of interesting because teams like Washington with 10 picks, the Cowboys with 11 picks, the Seahawks graded out higher than them. And finishing dead last, this is what makes me the happiest of all about this article, the Rams. The Rams with their nine picks finished last in terms of their rankings in their draft grade. So check that out, sportsinfosolutionsblog.com. Follow Nathan on Twitter, at NCoopDraft, and be back here later this week. We'll have lots more to talk about on the Field Goals podcast feed. And until then, go Hawks.